Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Well, hi, and welcome to episode 39 entitled Life-Changing Peace. I'm so excited to bring you this special episode as we begin the month focus of peace because this is a special episode. This is actually a a talk that I did about my life back in 2013 when my kids were much younger and I felt a little bit more overwhelmed with life and all of the diapers and the food preparation and the hard work and everything. And really kind of just as I was beginning to get started on my coaching journey. And so this particular story that you're going to hear today has a lot of the ways that I was looking at things when I was first learning that there were different ways that I could look at life. And so I'm going to share this with you because I think it's a great representation of how a different perspective can bring peace in the midst of a situation that looks difficult. So let's get started. You know, to start off with, I want to talk about life and how there's so many metaphors for life. There's There's some funny ones, there's heartbreaking ones, but I want to read a number of them to you. Life is like a river with all its bends and rapid falls. One must follow the right path or else you'll lose your way to the sea. Or life is like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. Or life is like a bagel. It's delicious when it's fresh and warm, but often it's just hard. The hole is in the middle is the great mystery, and yet it wouldn't be a bagel without it. <laughs> Life is like eating grapefruit. First you have to break through the skin, then it takes a couple of bites to get used to the taste, and just as you begin to enjoy it, it squirts you in the eye. How about this one? Life is like a banana. You start out green and get soft and mushy with age. Some people want to be one of the bunch, while others want to be the top. You have to take care not to slip on the externals, and finally you have to strip off the outer coating if you want to get at the meat. Another one is, life is like a jigsaw puzzle, but you don't have the picture on the front of the box to know what it's supposed to look like. Sometimes you're not even sure if you've got all the pieces. Or this one, life is like a maze in which you try to avoid the exit. Life is like riding an elevator. It has lots of ups and downs, and someone is always pushing your buttons. Sometimes you get the shaft, but what really bothers you are all the jerks. Life is like money. You can spend it any way you wish, but you only spend it once. Life is like a whisper. If you only try and stop wailing, you'll suddenly realize that it's there. Life is like a pencil. 
You can be sharpened, you can correct mistakes, and you can leave a mark. One of the metaphors that I have long used is that life is like the journey of the children of Israel through the desert. It might be difficult, hot, and include lots of whining and complaining, but there is an end goal that is so glorious it's worth the effort to get there. This particular metaphor has served me well for keeping in mind a bigger vision than the next thing right in front of me. It helps me look away from daily life and remember that there is a reason for all of this and that there is a reward at the end. However, when it comes to the need to focus on daily life and how I'm responding to it, sometimes this word picture fails. When I use the picture, all I end up is this feeling grouchy and hot and tired and thirsty and overwhelmed, poor, destitute, the list could go on and on. The bottom line is that thinking about my life being a walk in the desert kind of sets me up for disaster. I'm often reminded of the abundant life that Jesus promises, and when I compare that to the thought of the desert picture, they don't exactly add up. There's some other verses that come to mind as well, like Proverbs 17:22, which says, "A joyful heart is good medicine." but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. There's Ephesians 4.23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. It, it reminds me that we're called to be joyful and that it requires a mind change in order to be going through a difficult circumstance and still experience that peace that passes all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So at the time I was praying about this and I asked God to give me a new picture, a new picture of what life was like to hang on to that supported my daily life in a more positive way. Something that's different than trudging through a hot, sweaty desert. I noticed in the Bible that there's a number of pictures God uses to describe life. He describes it like a tree planted by springs of living water the salt of the earth, light, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. There's a couple of things about all of those pictures. They all possess some kind of common theme and that they are all stationary. Notice that they don't move or act in and of themselves. Someone else must use them. In fact, a tree and salt and light has only to just be present and be willing to be used. It's such a peaceful stance. I was inspired by this concept and recognizing my need for resting in Jesus and allowing him to do the work. I kind of wanted my own picture and he gave me one. So my new metaphor at the time, which I have, I can honestly say over the last seven years, I have held on to and enjoy very much now is that life is like water skiing. Go with me here for just a minute. I have the responsibility to be ready with my skis on, my life jacket fastened, and holding the rope, waiting. But Jesus is the boat driver, and he is the one who does all the pulling up out of the water. He determines the speed, and it's his responsibility to be aware of what my skill is and take me over only what he thinks I can handle. My only job is to hang on and to have some confidence that I can do it and enjoy the ride. The waves can be kind of scary, right? Just like life surprises. 
But if I have courage and go into it without fear, it can be exhilarating and like an adventure. Watching the boat keeps me more balanced than watching my feet. If I fall down, the driver instantly circles around and picks me back up again, right where I left off. There's no rejection, no quitting on me. It's just, let's go again. And then at the end of the day of water skiing, I might feel tired and sore and ready to flop into bed. But if you love water skiing and the boat captain says, want to go out again tomorrow? Then you say, absolutely, and jump at the chance to go again. So that's my new analogy, that life is like water skiing. It's both exhilarating and peaceful at the same time, because in order to water ski well, there's some amount of release of control to the circumstances that the skier has to do in order to be a good skier. Let's look at first the business of who's in charge of that boat. Someone who is the responsible person for a task remembers all the fine details, right? They control the situation, check on concerns, decide what to do when other people give out. The responsible person steps up. That's like Jesus being in charge of the boat. And then the helper would listen and follow instructions and communicate needs to that responsible person. They do what they can to help and they get to sign off when the ship when the shift is over, right? So you've got the responsible person and the person that they can be done when they're ready to. So many times I think I ask God for help in my prayers as if I'm the responsible person and he is the helper. And that's not peaceful because I'm bearing all the weight of the responsibility and the result. Like, I've got this huge task, and if you could just give me a hand with this one aspect, I'd be good. When in reality, it should be more like, Jesus, you're the captain. It's all yours. I'm here to be your helper today, however you choose. And at the end of the day, I leave it to you, and I'm going to bed. (laughs) so much more peace and freedom when we let him be the driver of the boat instead of trying to give directions from back on the ski rope, right? Well, another thing is I notice how confident I am or how positive I am toward the experience sometimes and how that can determine whether or not it's successful. If I'm a really timid and scared skier, I would guess that I would do a lot of flopping on my face in the water. And if you've ever tried to get up on skis, you'll know that you have to have some pretty good confidence to come out of the water right away. It takes some confidence and some I can do it to get up on those skis. And in my daily life, my attitude affects everything. The Bible says, in everything give thanks and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's a retraining process. It's a conscious choice to praise, even when I feel grumpy about something. You know, to better illustrate this, and this is so much more meaningful to me now than it ever was then, I want to share with you two journal entries from days back then, okay? So two days, they're both a little bit, they're lengthy, they're detailed, but I, but I promise that there's something good in here for you to really see the life-changing piece that it's available, all right? 
So hang in there. You're going to get to hear two journal entries from back when my kids were little. And um, and just enjoy. <laughs> All right. So day number one. This morning, I woke up feeling groggy. Remembering that I was way backed up on laundry, I padded downstairs to the laundry to get some clean clothes, only to find that the washing machine was broken, like really broken. One load had just been put in by my son, and I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had something to do with it. Ugh, all those clothes, and now the machine is broken. I begged Brandon to look at it, and after several hours of meetings and finally getting around to it, he announced that we'd have to order a part and wait. When do we ever have time to wait for laundry in this house? Breakfast was also tough. I spent time horking down bites in between answering questions, solving problems, and keeping people on track with what they were supposed to do. Sometimes I feel as though I haven't eaten when I finish my meal. School was difficult, too. The kids couldn't sit still. I mean, one of them kept trying to sit in the chair on his knees, bent over with his bottom up in the air and his head all the way down on the floor in front of him. Who listens like that? I ended up giving some long lectures to the kids who I'm sure weren't really listening. And to make matters worse, my head wasn't really in it. My mother-in-law was at the doctor having some serious procedure done, and I was wondering how she was handling it. And my own mother was having difficulties with my grandmother, who f is forgetful, and is having back problems and can't seem to get her bowels straightened out. But we struggled through. At lunch, I discovered that some of the kids didn't want to eat what I had prepared. And after that was over, I went down the hill to deliver a message. Aaron seemed to be my only escape from my cave these days. I returned to a pile of dirty dishes and the familiar sound of the neighbor children playing in our yard, again, without having asked. And during this time... The kids had managed to get into a fight, and that led to a major altercation with my oldest son. Really, it was probably one of the dumbest arguments I can remember having recently. I tell you, he's becoming more and more like me every day. It's such a tragedy. No sooner had I settled that and turned back to the dishes than I heard a wail, and in comes my daughter screaming. I was trying to visit with my brother on the phone, but no, that magic buzzer goes off that warns the children of a phone call telling them to come get mom quick. And so my daughter came in hollering at the top of her lungs and I told her to go sit on the couch until she could get over it. After she just wouldn't quit and I couldn't hear anymore, I reluctantly hung up and went to check on her. Of course, she had managed to actually hurt herself. Her finger was all bent over to one side and clearly I was going to have to take her to the doctor. I sighed, knowing that I had just interrupted Brandon three times that afternoon, and I was going to have to do it again. I'm always having to interrupt him, it seems. He was disappointed, as usual, to hear that I had to go anywhere, much less the hospital, and, of course, it coincided with a meeting he needed to go to that evening, as most of my interruptions do. So I took her to the doctor and discovered that her finger was broken. Great cast. She won't be able to dress herself, climb on a stool, go to the bathroom alone. It's going to hurt. I'll be going, getting up late and oh, for six weeks. That means she'll have it on while we go to the beach. Oh. And somewhere in there, I discovered that my mother was on the way to the hospital with my other grandma, thinking that her kidneys were shutting down. Oh, it's all so distracting. And then due to stress today, I ate too much dinner. 
the kids got in bed late because someone didn't finish his chores and complete making his bed. So I had to put the sheets on two beds. Justin got up three times and managed to have a dirty diaper at 10 p.m. I had to put away all my afternoon projects I was hoping to work on today that I didn't get to. Jeff won't stop picking at his ear. And when I'm most exhausted, I couldn't sleep. I have prayed so many times, but stuff just keeps happening. Oh, it's been a long day. So to give you a little context at this time, my oldest child was 11 and there were seven children. And I want you to hear at the end of this journal entry, do you feel like I did at the end of this? Overwhelmed and busy and discouraged, tired, slightly crazy with the thought of, please don't make me have to do this again. (laughs) Well, don't worry. That's exactly how I felt after I had written that journal entry. But now I want to read you the second journal entry that I wrote. This, um, and see if you can tell a difference. Okay. Here's the second day. Today, I woke up a little earlier than I usually do. I had a chance to pray for God's best to be done today. When I got up, Brandon was making breakfast, and I was able to concentrate on fixing something healthy for me. What a treat. Jonathan is finally getting the hang of his chicken chores, and James has most of his stuff done this morning and before I even got out of bed. School started to do- on time today for the first time in weeks. I even got my cup of coffee and enjoyed it during devotions. We had a great devotional time, not only memorizing the verse we're working on, but also a discussion and a silly practice time about how to make appeals instead of argue. Justin behaved pretty well during the whole thing, too. We got in some good, solid English, something that I've wanted to do for a while, and I was able to spend some time individually with each kid to work on some of their weak points. It was a nice day outside, so the little kids played sweetly in the sandbox during school, providing me with some uninterrupted instructional time. Brandon came in and did some math, and while I was doing, while he was doing that, I got to visit with my sister Amy on the phone and clean up several piles of stuff that have been around the dining room for a while. Rachel, who was anxious to finish her chores at break time, or Rachel was anxious to finish her chores during break time, and I was so encouraged by her desire to get done. I helped her vacuum the playroom, so it got a little more thorough job than normal. When lunch came, I had the plates all ready for the kids. We had some healthy snacks that most of them ate a good portion of. I've been really thankful for the chance to have good food to eat recently. After lunch, I had a chance to finish up some cleaning in the kitchen. And a friend of mine came over and folded tons of clothes and read with the kids. It was such a blessing. That afternoon, I prepped some sweet potatoes for dinner on Tuesday, which is always a busy day, and I boiled a cup of chickens to add to salads for lunches. Also, I enjoyed getting out for a little exercise with a quick run around the property. Later, I had to take one of the children to the doctor, and the battery to the car was dead. But Brandon was home, and he showed me how to use our battery pack that we keep in the back of the car to jump it off, and so it took less than five minutes, and I was on my way. My my friend Diane spontaneously called and said that she wanted to bring pizza over for dinner, along with her original plan to have a haircut. I certainly didn't turn her down, and when she came, she had pizza and chips and chocolate milk and ice cream sundaes, and the kids were thrilled. 
We had a nice dinner while Brandon was away at a meeting, and then she stayed while I put the kids to bed. I forgot that I had committed to cutting someone else's hair that evening as well, and so she graciously said we could do hers another time. After she left and I cut hair, I had a nice visit with the guy and then spent a good amount of time talking to my sister Ruth on Skype, something I don't get to do very often. Later in the evening, when Brandon wasn't home, I spent some time alone praying and connecting with Jesus, which is a rare opportunity these days. Actually, now that I think of it, I spent numerous moments reconnecting with Jesus all day long, and by the end of the day, I had the makings of a great women's meeting and sat down to write it all out. One of the kids was having trouble sleeping, so while I was listening out for them, it gave me a chance to write out a lot of the things that had been on my mind. All in all, I don't think it could have been a better day. Now, I want to ask you at the end of this day, while it was no less busy, I came away encouraged that God had met my needs. It felt peaceful. It was fun. And I could look forward to doing something like this again. I could definitely envision doing this another day and enjoying it. What do you think? Does that sound like a day that went well? I'm curious about your perspective here. You know, the real key is, of course, they are the same day. They're the same exact day. It's just how I responded to the next thing in life and the next thing in life and the next thing. And that directly impacted my attitude about what had just happened. I'm encouraged by the idea that I have the power to choose to look for the blessings and not leave them out. Yes, the hard things came, and I don't have to ignore them, but I often do ignore the blessings that come alongside that made the difficulties bearable. They are the things that bring the peace that passes all understanding. When we look for the ways that God is providing in the middle of our circumstances, That is where the peace is. So, a positive attitude. I'm encouraged to put my new metaphor of life is like water skiing into practice. I know it's going to take plenty of practice. Sometimes every day or every five minutes, I'll have to remind myself. But it has the power to help create the abundant life right in the middle of the same life circumstances that I had that day that seemed so bad. Perhaps water skiing isn't the right metaphor for you, but I bet there is a metaphor out there that can support you in your daily life and have joy in the Lord on a daily basis. I wonder what it could be. You could ask him to give you a metaphor for your life because he's in the business of answering. I want to follow up at the end of this and say that, you know, I've been working this mindset business for seven years now. This is a, like I said, this is an article that I wrote seven years ago about life changing joy and peace and perspective. And I'm seven years down the road practicing over and over this perspective that God is good, that He is providing in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that after seven years of practicing, I know two things. One, I know I still need practice and probably always will. But two, I would say most of the time, my brain now jumps to, 
wait, how is God meeting my need? How is he for me in this? How is he showing up for my good? What can I rejoice about? And that that becomes most of the time my knee jerk response to difficult situations. It's why more recently when my husband got sick, all of a sudden I was excited. I was excited because I knew God was going to be right there showing up in all kinds of ways, because that's what happens in the middle of difficult circumstances. It's not stuff that we can do on our own. And so he is present everywhere. And it's an opportunity to see him working. And I can get excited about it. It's like the thrill of going water skiing, getting behind the boat and feeling that exhilaration of being pulled up out of the water and slightly the the feeling of, I am very aware that I am not in control of what is going to happen to me. My only The only thing I have control over is to stay balanced and hold on tight. But this is about to be a fun ride because I'm about to see where God is taking me and where he's using me and how he is meeting my needs. So I encourage you this month as you are digging into focusing on peace and how to create peace in your life, give give God a chance to show up in how you change your perspective and how you see positive things. Now, if I were you and I had just heard those two days, I would probably go back and listen to day one again to see if I could see the similarities or the things that were in both. I, I of course, wrote them so that it would be hard to tell, but you'll be able to tell a few things that are the same from both days. It really is all about perspective. Those, those were both descriptions of real events that really took happen, uh, that really happened, took place. And it really was all about perspective. So that's my wish for you to encourage you in, you can have life-changing peace. It's going to require trusting in God. It's going to require believing fully that, that he takes care of us but it is possible. It takes practice. All right. That's all I have for you today. And I look forward to connecting with you over a different aspect of peace next week. Until next time, take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the spirit, please subscribe listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?